So 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17 through 25. This is one of those passages that no preacher ever wants to preach. Just going to be honest with you right up front. Okay? And you'll know why in, in a moment. But I want to start off by saying this this morning. The church has to look different than the world. Okay? Start there. The church has to look different than the world. It does. We have to be different. We have to act different. We have to treat our relationships different than the rest of the world. So before we get to chapter 5, verses 17 through 25, I want to read for us, and I want us to flip over, look back at 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14, and it says this. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, Believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Everything that Paul says from this point on hinges on these few verses. Because he says in these few verses, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ, the mystery of godliness, is the gospel. That Jesus Christ came to this earth in the form of an infant, grew and learned and walked this earth completely sinless and then went to a cross and bore your sins and my sins, died a death that you deserve and I deserve, then put in a tomb and three days later rolled the stone away and walked out and said, I've defeated Death and I have victory. So that you and I may have victory when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the mystery of godliness. And so Paul says, hey, Timothy, everything that I'm going to tell you hinges on the gospel. How you we behave in church hinges on the gospel impacting and changing who we are. So when I say the church has to be different, it has to be different because we have the gospel that changes us and makes us different. And so our aim is from this verse going into um, 1 Timothy chapter 5, and our aim is simply this. The glory of God is expressed as the gospel of God impacts the people of God. You should remember that. Read it again. Over and over, the glory of God is expressed when the gospel of God impacts the people of God. And so then Paul shifts into chapter 4 and chapter 5, and he begins to talk about the relationships that we have within the church with one another. Last week we unpacked how the church is to treat widows. 
And then this week, Paul's going to encourage Timothy and talk to Timothy about the relationship between the church and the elders or the pastors. Okay? And so he's going he's gonna to tell Timothy really three things in this. You're to honor the pastors, you are to protect the pastor, and you are also to rebuke the pastors. Now, t- hold on. We're going to unpack each one of these in light of the fact that Paul says everything hinges on the gospel. Okay? So, 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting in verse 17, he says this. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the laborer deserves his wages. Let's just stop right there. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, um, here's what you should do. You should honor the elders or the pastors of the church, especially those who give their time to preaching and teaching of the word. Okay, And they are worthy of double honor, especially if they do it well. Right? Now, listen to me. I am not here this morning to play, y'all need to honor me more. That's not what this is about, okay? I'm simply unpacking God's word. This is what Paul tells Timothy here. Here's the instruction of the church in light of the gospel, right? So Timothy tells him here, he says, let elders who rule well be worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so what does this double honor mean? Well, Uh, There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of things going around um, in the scholarly world and academia that say what this means. Um, First, uh, the most prominent idea is that that there's um, an honor to be placed, a respect to be placed on those who lead well, those pastors who lead well. And listen, not all pastors lead well. I've experienced that. Not all pastors lead well, and I don't ever claim to be perfect at it. But all those who lead well, they are to be respected, okay? They are to be honored. They are to be given the respect that they deserve because they are working hard for it. And I know, I know all of you think that I only work two days a week, but it's not true, (laughs) right? My dad one time, um, uh, he, he was like, I don't, I don't, what do you do during the day? You know, I was like, well, come with me. So my dad went with me one day, and, and at the end of the day, he was like, does your phone ever stop ringing? I said, nah, sometimes, like after eight or nine sometimes. He was like, this is exhausting. I was like, some days it is, but that's what God called me to do. And he called me to love people well and lead people well. It's what he did. It's what he called me to do. And, and so there's, there's this sense that Paul gives to Timothy. Hey, you are to, those that are leading well, especially those who are in charge of preaching and teaching, okay, they're worthy of double honor. So there's this first idea that you should honor the pastor, you should respect him, you should um, uh, have that mentality towards him. And the second thing is that he should be compensated well. He should be compensated well. 
And why? Like, that's the, that's the old question. Why should we compensate a pastor well, okay? Because, look, I told you this is never the sermon any preacher wants to preach, right? Get up and talk about, hey, how, how much are you paying me, right? Like, nobody ever wants to do that. But listen, this is what Paul says. He says, look, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages right the laborer deserves his wages and so what Paul's saying here is that hey church make sure that you take care of them so that listen so that the gospel is always and can always be priority for the one preaching and teaching we're reading this in light of chapter 3 like Church, you have to compensate the pastor and, and the pastors in such a way that they have no other worries. They don't constantly struggle financially so that they can make sure the gospel is centered. They can make sure that they are giving time to the, to the reading and to the study and to the preaching of God's word. I spend on average probably 16 to 22 hours a week studying. On these texts I'm just giving you so you understand where it's important this this time in here gathered together as a church of worship is centered around God's Word not me not Ricky not anyone else it is about God's Word we come and gather together for this first and foremost and I want to always be faithful to this and not give you my opinion. And so Paul says, hey, those who preach and teach, take care of them well. I'm not sitting here saying this morning that Oak Grove doesn't take care of us well. But I have been in places where they did not. I have. And so Paul tells Timothy here, hey, take care of them. Take care of them. Don't, don't, don't adhere to the old adage, if you've grown up in church at all, pastor, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. And that's an old adage. I mean, it really is. We'll keep him poor and you keep him humble. Paul says, no, honor him. Take care of him so that the gospel is always clearly presented. That the text is always clearly communicated. But he also says this. They should protect him. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, what does it mean to protect him? Well, look. In churches... The first person you complain to is who? The pastor, right? I mean, that's the nature of the job. I hear a lot, and it's, and it's okay. I'm not, I'm not telling you you can't, you can't come complain or whatever. Like, I, I'm always going to listen to you. But listen, um, some of you out there have been in ministry before. Um, people in church, and this is why we have to be different, okay? This is, the gospel changes who we are. 
So it changes how we act. So it changes how we respond. Right? And oftentimes, we have, we, we struggle to allow the gospel to change who we are. So we respond. We, instead of responding in circumstances or situations we don't like or make us feel uncomfortable, we react, don't we? And we begin to take jabs, we begin to take shots. If I don't like what the preacher's doing, I'm going to take a shot at him. If I don't like what the worship leader is doing, I'm going to take a shot at him. If I don't like what the youth minister's doing, I'm going to take a shot at him. If I don't like something, I'm going to take a shot. And that's happened in the life of the church. And so Paul here is telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, look, here's the deal. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of if two or three people are, are going, man, can you believe this? And they're watching it unfold, right? Then, then two or three go to that pastor and go, hey, we're seeing some things that are not okay. But, but for the most part, if, if you... I, you will do so much good in any church if someone comes to complain to you about the pastor, you shut it down right there and, and just ask the simple question. Let me ask you a question before we move on in the complaint. Have you prayed for him? Easiest way you can protect a pastor, have you prayed for him? And so Paul says here to Timothy, hey, not only do you honor pastors, you also, you also protect them. And then he's going to go on, he's going to say you rebuke them. Listen to what he says. Verse 20. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without Prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. We're going to skip to verse 24. We'll come back to 23 in a minute. The sins of some men are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So he goes on and he says, hey, look, if, if you see a pastor doing something, is it a repetitive sin, call him out. We are not perfect. Not, not a chance in the world. Now, now, oftentimes the church holds us to a standard of perfection, but we are not. And so if you see something in a pastor, call them out on it. Because here's the most dangerous thing that can happen, okay? Is that when the church remains silent about the leader and the leader's in a position and continues to do whatever the leader wants to do, regardless of the sin he's committed, it destroys the church. I've been there and I've seen it happen. Call the pastor out rebuke him it's clear Paul says hey call him out publicly now look 
that doesn't mean you get up on stage because you caught me going five miles over on Osbury, right? Y'all know what preacher did last week? That's not what we're talking about. But Paul's talking about grievous, um, repetitive, habitual sin in a pastor's life that he's not willing, in, in a, a Matthew-like, he's not willing for, for two or three brothers come to him and, and say, hey, we see this in your life, and, and he's not willing to repent of that, then the church then should call him out and rebuke him publicly. And Paul says this, so that the rest may stand in fear. Because sin is serious in the house of the Lord. In the family of God, sin is serious. We have to be different, church. And we do all of these things. We, we, we honor, okay? We, um, we rebuke, we protect, we do these things in the light of the gospel. Because the gospel changes who we are. It changes the relationship between the pastor and the church. The gospel does that. The gospel does that. Right? Because ultimately, the church is here for what? The glory of God. And when the glory of God is expressed, when the gospel of God impacts the people of God, when that happens, the relationship then between the pastor and the church is so much sweeter, so much kinder, so much more grace-filled. But most importantly, it's God-glorifying. And so what Paul tells this young pastor, Timothy, here, hey, Timothy, there's some things that you need to know. Okay? You need to honor need to protect and you need to rebuke the pastors at the church of Ephesus and church with all that I I can say as your pastor I am thankful for you and almost two years of being here you've done these things for me and I want to say thank you I want to say thank you on behalf of just our staff in general. You love us well, and I'm thankful for that. May we always be this type of church. May we always be a church, whether it's me, whether it's whoever else in 40 years. That's right, I said I was staying here. <laughs> Look, may we always, may this always be true of us that we honor, that we protect, and we rebuke pastors when needed. This is God's word. This is not my opinion. This is God's word. And above all, I want us to be faithful to that. Most of all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that you would use it to encourage us, use it to remind us, Father. Remind us most of all that, Father, the gospel is what impacts us. And when it does, Father, your glory is expressed through us. 
And so, Father, may we be different. May we look different than the rest of the world. Father, thank you for your reminder this morning. In your word. Father, may we find, may we be faithful to the truth of your word. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.